Welcome to Scott Killaby's podcast, Natural Recovery from Suffering. Today's topic is one of my favorites, and probably, well, it might be yours too, unless you have repression around this. And, and, if, and if you have some repression or shame around this, that might be making you squirm a little bit. My, my favorite topics in the world, obviously, number one is consciousness, awakening, freedom. Number two, close second is sex, because I think they're actually totally connected. That sexual liberation is tied directly to liberation, freedom. And if you don't have freedom in sex, you, do, you probably don't have it in life, is what I've learned. I'll explain that later. People don't like to hear that either. Because then they say, oh, well, I am kind of locked up in sex, but I want to still be free. And I'll say, look, if you can't, if you have to hold yourself back in sex, you're probably doing the same sort of thing in relationship. And that's emotional repression. And emotional repression, repression is one of the main drivers of suffering. I don't know why I had trouble saying those words, but I did. Yeah, so it's important, I think, to understand that. My third topic would be like music. I'm a big music fan, as you guys know. I want to do some podcasts on music. But since sex comes in number two, that's where we're going to go first. Uh, okay, what do I have to say about sex? My God, it's fun. I love it. Am I just the only one? <laughs> I want to talk that way because it's true for me. But also because in this world, you know, you, you, you can talk about that in some circles. But like, how often do you hear a non-dual teacher say that? Or a spiritual teacher? Because we have to be holy. By the way, a lot of that comes from just repression. We're holding ourselves back. Because <laughs> what I want to do is, I want to have interviews with teachers. And I just want to say like, we're going we're gonna to talk about consciousness. And then that's a very serious subject and ending suffering and all that. And then I'm going to say, do you masturbate? Do, do you watch porn? Do you masturbate? I just want to know. Tell me. And it's not to just upset them or shame them. It's to, I actually want to know because I feel like that sexual liberation is tied to freedom. So if you can just tell me a little bit about that, I'll be able to see how free you really are. And <laughs> notoriously, if you ask questions like that, we teachers will say, well, Let's stick to the subject of awakening. Some teachers will talk about it, though. And, you know, it's awesome when I hear people talking about it freely. Anybody, I'm just picking on us teachers because we can be a little bit holy, a little bit holier than thou around certain subjects. Again, I think that comes from repression. Because sex, as far as I can tell, is like an intrinsic aspect of being. We wouldn't be here in form without it. It feels good for a reason, so that we'll do it. Um, I think it's a great thing. I vote yes for that. <laughs> More of that. But it, didn't, it wasn't always that way. So I started out, out in this lifetime realizing and knowing the truth, which is sex is awesome. I love it. So I had most of my sex... Okay, before I was age 20, most of my sex actually happened between the ages of 6 and 10. With kids my age, sometimes they would initiate it, sometimes I would. I absolutely loved it. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know there was a name for it. I kind of thought that we shouldn't be doing it. 
it's just that feeling about it because I think that the shame was already in our DNA, you know, intergenerationally. But for the most part, I was just doing it and enjoying it and obviously doing it behind closed doors and didn't think anything of it other than this is one of my favorite things, but I can't really tell anybody and I don't know why. But you know, when you're a kid, you know the rules. Even if you can't articulate them, you know the rules in any particular family or culture. And the rules in my family were, you don't do that as a kid. And if you do, you certainly don't talk about it. Well, so it was only later that I learned through that download that we get when we get old enough to learn that we're actually involved in what you could call a cult of human conditioning. I learned that what I was doing or what I had been doing from ages six to 10 was basically something that you don't even talk about. Because not only is sex bad, but homosexuality is really bad. I was messing around with other boys. And I didn't know that that was a big deal until I heard later on when people talked about gay people, it was always like this back in the 80s, 70s. Yeah, did you hear about so-and-so? Yeah, I heard he had, invites men into the back of his van. Yeah, can you believe that? God. And then they go back into regular conversation at the normal tone of voice, right? So a little kid understands, <laughs> without that being articulated, that I am a piece of shit. I'm lower than low. I'm the thing that you don't talk about. And like, they would even talk about straight sex louder. Like that, okay, that's a little bit better, I learned. But the gay sex, no. And even sexuality, no. Basically, I could tell that all the humans were really fucked up around it. The adults. Because I was enjoying it, and I didn't understand all the issues around it. So it, I had to, you know how it is, you have to compute all that and like conform to the cult and go along with it, and then now, now I think I'm bad. There's something wrong with me. I'm ashamed. I shouldn't do that. And now, closet. It's a different experience. <laughs> when I was a little kid, it was just like, hey, let's have sex, let's play. Or I wouldn't even, we just do it. But now, it's like once I learned that we don't talk about that, now I realize I'm in a closet. <laughs> well, this sucks not physical closet, but like, I remember I had all that sex and it, when I was a freshman in high school, I was driving around with my friend. We were looking at Christmas lights. <laughs> we were high, I think. And I thought to myself, oh, fuck, I'm gay. But I'm in the closet. And I felt the full weight of that human cult conditioning on me in that moment because I identified See, because when you're in the closet and you're unconscious, you bury that stuff. But then there was this moment of consciousness like coming out of that repression and go, oh, this is true about me. But my God, why is it so hard for a kid to just be okay with his sexuality? That's the next thought I had. Why is this so hard? 
like I'll never I felt like I'll never be able to tell these people because in this cult you have to be against this in order to just be accepted you can't have this so even though I came out of the closet I conformed like most good boys and girls do and I still didn't live a life of freedom. I was just out of the closet by age 20. And then I really learned more about how humans think about sex. I had already been conditioned at that point. So I already know this is not a cool thing. I'm about to come out to my parents. This is, gonna, this is terrifying. I have no idea what they're going to say. I already know the conditioning here. You know, I didn't have words for it, but I felt that. I remember telling a best friend that I was gay and I threw up. <laughs> all that anxiety. I told my parents and I saw they tried so much to love me, but my mom was really, really disappointed actually. And it just sends the signal like, God, I was right. I am bad. Like there is something wrong with me. Look at my mother. Being myself has brought her into like tears. And that's why sexual liberation is tied to liberation, because it's all about being ourselves. Granted, I got an extra special les lesson, like some of us do, by being gay and bigendered. An extra special lesson in that, but we all get this lesson, don't we? I can't be myself, my sexual self, fully. There are some of us who are free, though. That's the takeaway for this podcast is that sexual liberation is tied to our freedom. So sexual bondage, and I don't mean BDSM, is, is our suffering. That's a reflection of our suffering. We're acting out our trauma sexually and in relationships, even romantic. So in a sense, if we're not exploring this subject, we're missing out on the deep freedom just the kind of freedom there's just no words for. When you wake up out of the cult of human conditioning around sexuality. So I want to talk about that process in the next segment. Before I get to some of the waking up around sex stuff, another thing that happened when I was a kid is that of the kids that I did have sex with, um, they were the ones that bullied me. And I think that's part of the, the shame of the overall cult. In other words, when they downloaded what they had done, they probably felt such shame and insecurity that they used me as the scapegoat in the, in the group and bullied me for it. And so I learned then that I shouldn't do that. All my life I had this story, I can't flirt. When I was in law school, I was at a bar with my best friend who I had this crush on and I just wanted to be with him. So I was sitting next to him and this girl walks up. She's very pretty. We know her well. She's another law student. And she says, Scott, I noticed that you don't flirt. Have you ever had somebody say something to you and it's like they just called you out, but you're almost in shock because you didn't even know that about yourself. That's how it was for me. It's like I didn't have anything to say to her because she was right. And I, in that moment, I felt no defense. It just felt like that's true. 
Well, the reason I couldn't flirt, I know now from trauma work, is because by flirting and playing around as a boy, I got bullied. Which leads to the BDSM addiction that came up after the non-dual realization. So, non-dual realization happens in 2007. Tons of freedom. A couple of years later, BDSM. I desire to be punished sexually. And I love it. Absolutely love it. I'm not going to lie. I did. Because I was acting out the trauma, see, of I'm going to do things to you sexually. You're going to punish me for it. It's crazy, but that's how trauma is. So when we talk about, like, how do we wake up in the midst of of all this stuff around sex and how that ties into our own suffering in life. I want to start with a quote from Ken Wilber, which is, sex isn't bad, bad sex is bad. See, that's what I knew when I was a kid, before all that stuff happened. When I was having sex, I knew that sex wasn't bad, but I, I knew that there was something in the adult world, in the cult, that told me I, sh- I should do this behind closed doors. But this isn't bad. This is good. I also learned that bad sex is bad. In other words, there were a couple friends that I played around with, they just weren't really good at it. <laughs> but it was still fun. No. I learned later that the cult of human conditioning believes essentially that sex is bad. Not all of us to the same degree. Again, some of us have done some work around this, but you know what I mean. We still have so much shame connected to it. The BDSM addiction was also shameful for me, and that's why I wanted to, uh, as a teacher... I wanted to eventually, and I did, come out about that. After that had resolved for me, and I had processed the shame and the trauma behind it, it fell away, and I wanted to talk about it because it seemed so connected to my freedom. It it was such an important part of my embodiment process to deal with the trauma of, of being bullied and how that was playing itself out in those sexual scenarios. There I was being sort of holy as a teacher. Not really holy, but that's how people kind of see teachers. It's like, oh, surely you don't like like to get whipped and like tied up by a man and then other things. I mean, that can't be part of that. <laughs> like that part of that non-dual thing? No. Yes, because I'm a human. And I was hurt when I was a kid. I didn't know I was acting it out for that reason. But... This work gave me the insight to see it. Had I not seen that and brought the trauma work to it, I could have stayed in that pattern. And that's why I do this work, is to just to remind people that if you're in a pattern created by trauma, the research says the only thing that neutralizes that is if you go in specifically and neutralize that. The meditation practices and the other things, they're not getting to it. That's why there's so much porn addiction and sexual stuff even in the spiritual world. I mean, hell, the stories are monks masturbate together. They play with each other at night in monasteries and different places because you can't control sexuality. 
And when you try to, it just comes out in weird ways. Like I call them trauma shelters. In other words, like the Catholic Church, we now know there's been so much abuse of children, but this is a shelter for people with sexual issues, sexual repression. It's a place where people can go and hide. And so then, of course, when you try to suppress these desires, it come out in ways that are with non-consensual sex with children. Repression is big. It's, it's in our institutions. It's in our systems. Trauma is. Spiritual teaching and, and spirituality is not that much different. It's kind of a trauma shelter. We come here, and if we tell people as teachers, hey, you know, your sexual desires need to be quieted down or extinguished here. What, what signal does that send to someone like me who learned that my sexuality is bad? It teaches me to repress it more. So in meditation, I'm not going to go further into it to explore where the trauma is in the sex. I'm going to just maybe let it come and go and then just come back to presence. And although that's good, that's not a good thing to do when you have trauma driving addiction of sex or some other issue in sex that's suffering. Meditating doesn't get to it. That's what I learned. Being awareness doesn't get to it because this is unconsciousness. It's in the body. Can't see it when you're resting in awareness. Have to do the body work. And some people don't know maybe what I mean by that, but somatic work on trauma in the body to make that programming conscious, to bring that into awareness, like as if you're meditating and you can feel and see the programming, and then that transmutes that energy in the body that's driving all the suffering in sex and in life. There's no way that I could have experienced the embodiment and healing without including sex in my entire investigation because this is all part of what I am. I try to just hang out as the transcendent. Many of us do that as we wake up. I'm just the space, man. <laughs> I'm just the space. I'm just the presence. Yes, true, ultimately. But how do we use that to hide from the trauma? That's why I asked the teachers, hey, do you masturbate? <laughs> do you watch porn? Because the truth of our experience is not revealed in pointers and texts and books. It's revealed in how we live our lives. So it's not that we're supposed to be saints. In fact, I like sex. It's that we, we, we are earnest. We are conscious. We are embodied. We are living this. We are open. We are transparent. Those parts of ourselves that are the darker parts, we bring those into awareness. We heal through that. That doesn't mean we become pious and perfect and holy. No, that's the conditioning. That's the bad sex thing. That's that you're bad if you talk about sex or if you do sex. No, 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 no. Sex isn't bad. Bad sex is bad. What have we done to ourselves? Here? Why do we do this to ourselves? The very thing that gives life becomes the thing that we shame ourselves and that we can't open to about ourselves. That's a sabotage. 
We have every intention as a species and an individual to fuck each other. It's natural. Might want to be safe. <laughs> I'm not proposing that that's how we live. I'm just saying that that's our natural inclination. We like to fuck. Come on. Unless we have repression. And then this natural inclination gets blocked because of things that happen to us. And for being a part of what I call the cult, but it's just human conditioning, trauma. I've enjoyed many kinds of sex through the years, and I've explored inquiry with all of it, and, and have experienced a greater deepening with all of it. Bar none. It's all Christopher the Mill. <laughs> I wonder who's left here as I leave you today. Who stayed with me or who was like, yeah, I don't want to talk about this. If you stay with me, I hope that some juices are flowing and you see possibilities. And you can see in your life, like, do you have a fear of intimacy? That's normal. You're a human. You know where that comes from? Repression. Because you can't be yourself in bed or in intimacy. And if you look, you can't be yourself in life. It's the same trauma. Sexual liberation is tied directly to spiritual liberation. So how to get free from the bondage? No pun intended there. Because when I talk about the BDSM stuff, that's personal to me. Even the homosexuality stuff is personal to me. We're talking about freedom. We're just talking about freedom. Like, it, it just whatever that word means for you experientially in your life. And the bondage here is <clears throat> obviously the trauma. So how to get free? Well, first of all, people might think, well, does that mean I'm just going to go, if I'm married, I'm just going to go, Fuck everybody then. Well, <laughs> think about it this way. Across the nation, across the world right now, there are marriages and relationships in which men and maybe sometimes women are hiding and watching porn or doing whatever, masturbating and fantasizing. And, because you can't control these urges. And the rest of us would be repressing it, I mean, in those marriages if we weren't. And the, and the rest of us are just somehow living free and, and open and honest or something but, and not doing that. But we're all over the board in terms of consciousness. Already. But I'm just talking about those who are in bondage. And when I say bondage, I mean, look, if, I, if, if I'm forced into sexual compulsive behavior of some sort, some sexual compulsive behavior of some sort, where it takes over my life, in a way that I don't want, in a way that is unmanageable for me, in which my, just all kinds of other suffering, maybe there's emotional stuff involved and feelings of, of self-worth or something or you know, feeling I need to be punished. or That's all suffering, you know, shame, suffering. Even though shame is really an aphrodisiac for people. I mean, think about it. See, if you go hide and watch porn away from your wife or whoever, the very act of hiding it becomes... And that you're, you're bad. That See, it plays into that identity. 
See, so being I'm bad, of course, is not just about being gay. Or wrong. I mean, shame is definitely an aphrodisiac. I mean, not absolutely, it's just a little pointer. If you think about all that, just sit with that for a moment. We're already, you know, <laughs> a planet of sort of panicking, horny monkeys. In a way, traumatized. And, and sitting here with this thing, sex, with sex is the thing that makes us have more monkeys. But we're sitting here like really afraid of it. So the answer would be not to be afraid of it. That's all I'm saying. How that looks in your life, well, that's going to be up to you, or we'll see. But, like, I mean, just all, see, if I can't, if I can't tell my husband or partner how I feel, what I need, what I want, my darker fantasies, then I have to hide those, of course. And that's going to, there's going to be some impact in my life. So, it, it, that's already going to happen if I have that shame and that, any trauma around that or addiction, that's already going to happen because you can't control it or you either repress it. So what I'm saying is process it. That's the answer. There's no magic pill. If somebody says, hey, I've got an easy way to just end porn addiction, they're probably going to tell you to just abstain from watching porn. All right, so despite any science they put forth or try to because of course if you abstain from any behavior from which trauma is even involved your brain's going to change your the emotional center is connected to all this so we don't know the cause and effect or the chicken or the egg but i'll tell you this is that that's well the first funny thing is like do you guys remember the bob newhart episode you have to be a little bit older for this where he's the therapist and a person comes in the office and has some sort of like I don't know, Elmo, she's a, she starts thinking about like being afraid of like locked in a closet or locked in a coffin or something. She's panicked. She has this disorder and he's writing something down and, and it's like a five minute th episode or something or less. And he's writing things down and listening to her and just listening to her very intently as if he's going to, he's just like a therapist would. And then at the end, you know, she's like, what, what should I do? And he said, just, just stop it. Yeah, just, just stop it. Stop it. Yeah, just, just go ahead. Just yeah, stop it. <laughs> and it's like, it's funny because it's not really possible. Because we, we either repress, suppress, or express. When you stop it, you suppress or repress, or repression, if you say it this way, repression is for those feelings or emotions that we don't even know that we've buried. Like if you don't ever get angry, you've repressed anger. You may not even know a time when you did that. You just don't get angry much. It's just completely unconscious, right? But sexual desires, some of them may be repressed. You might have some fantasy that you just have buried, repressed. But suppress is like maybe some things that you know about that come up and you just kind of push them back down, suppress them. Express them, is, express them doesn't mean that you actually act them out with people or on porn. It, means, it might mean you express it in inquiry, 
like it comes up in awareness and you prompt it up to process it and feel it and allow the emotions with it. So that could be expressing it in inquiry. It, al it also could be going to porn or having sex, expression. But stop it is not the answer. Ultimately, because this is a powerful force, like love is a powerful force. Stop, stop loving, all of you. Everybody out there, stop it. Stop. Okay, right now, everybody listen to the podcast. Stop loving. Yeah, just stop. <laughs> okay. Stop peeing. I'm, I'm serious, just stop peeing. Stop it. That's when I think of just pure abstinence without some context and skill and somatic processing and, you know, obviously trauma work. Because this is deep. This is our life force we're talking about. This is part of what you are. And it cannot be dealt with that way. I mean, it can, but that's the problem, isn't it, is the suppression of it. There's this science that says that when you suppress any obtrusive thoughts, but in other words, if you have addiction or anxiety or PTSD, depression, if you try to suppress the obtrusive thoughts around that, that makes it worse. It can very well make it worse. So, and then the, the buried stuff that we don't even know that we have is producing stuff in our awareness. So if we've buried anger, for example, that is helping to produce some of the ways that we like certain porn. Think about it this way. If I bury anger, there's a certain you know, aspect of my consciousness that is powerless, right? Because I don't have that emotion within awareness. It's buried. And so that I may act that out in sex. Of course, I did as an anger repressor act out the submissive role. Um, that's just an example right there. You can find it in your own experience. I'd like to keep to mind so that it's less teaching and more sharing, but it's still teaching. You can't just point to awareness on this, this stuff, though. This isn't just let's sit down and get quiet. Here's what I really think about that. I think that awareness practices, mindfulness, awareness, non-dual, those kinds of pointings, teachings, practices are great and much needed for everyone to start engaging in really on a daily basis and recognize the awareness that's here. But it's just not enough. It's a start because we are unconscious. And so what I'm proposing is, no, don't stop. I mean, yeah, you can stop if you want. Do whatever you want. I mean, that's... This is life. It's going to happen anyway. But if you're interested in realizing that you can't really stop, you either express, repress, or suppress. Maybe there's another thing I'm not thinking about. But in terms of that, then you can look at your life and just see what you're doing. You know, like, what things are you... You can't talk about the things that are repressed, really, unless you have some consciousness around it. And if it's really repressed, you might not. You might be really scared of that. Many people are. But I can tell you, it's a lot of it is buried anger or sadness, buried sadness or hurt, and obviously shame, that plays into almost, every, well, surely every sexual issue 
that one could have because emotional repression is a, one of the main drivers of suffering. It's science again. Really buried stuff, repression. Repression could also be like, you hear the classic sort of in, our, in the public domain, like sexual repression. In other words, uh, I think my dad molested me. That kind of repression. And then you wouldn't know it. It's totally repressed. And then someone says, oh, I think that I just I discovered in therapy or something, repressed memory. Yeah, there's that. That can be discovered here. It's not as scary as you think. It's actually, if you're skillful, it brings more freedom. The more that you find in the unconscious that's driving suffering in our daily lives, in our lives, the more freedom there is because this is trauma. And you can either, that's what I mean about the awareness practices and which I call first dimension, is they're great. They, you actually need that recognition to start, or not the recognition, but the, just that practice of coming back to notice what you are and how thoughts, feelings, sensations come and go within or to what you are. It's really important. But then when we're talking about this stuff, we're talking about buried, hurt, and sadness. That doesn't arise. So you wouldn't know, is all I'm saying. But you might see anger arise, something that's safer. Or you might see, you see, it just depends on what's repressed. That plays into all of this. So when it comes to get, you know, getting free, so to speak, you have to look to emotional repression. You know, that's science, I think. And that's a piece of it. And also, of course, any sexual repression. But... You know, when really bad things happen to us, the consciousness protects us. Remember, it's all about safety, survival. So it shuts us down around things. We don't know that. It can even shut out periods of years, like 10 years of your childhood for some people. And a lot of different other things that can happen. But <clears throat> it, repression, there's one. So there's look at your life. You wouldn't know. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like the missing experience, the missing emotion. And then there's the suppression. These are just concepts, but just it's about experience. Look at your life. These are things that you are conscious of. It could, this is the this is the 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 husband that goes into the room and watches porn. But then, like, and then maybe he thinks his wife or his wife did find out about it, and he tries to stop. So he's trying to suppress. If he tries to suppress the urge then he knows he has the urge, but he's sort of burying it and just tucking it in. He knows he is, and he's trying to do better, do different. And, okay, so there's that. Look at your life and see. Now that, that's a level of, of well, in terms of sexual urges or desires, you can probably see that if you just take a look. There are things that you hide, of course, and things that you would suppress for reasons of, to hide them and even suppress within yourself if it's too, it's seemingly too scary. You might have known that it came up at one time, like a period of time when you had a fantasy or you acted out something and then you stopped. And so did that go away? Probably not. If it hasn't been processed, because what is buried in the unconscious just stays there. It's part of the operating system. So it doesn't mean go out there and do it again. You do what we want. But it means that that came up for a reason. There's something connected to it. And it's probably connected to other areas of your life in some way. Because the personal, the sexual, and the social are all connected. 
It's all consciousness. So to to really, I don't like the word heal, but to make that unconsciousness conscious in awareness, there has to be processing for these things that we've buried and we're pushing down, shoving down. Addictions, other addictions shove emotions down. Sexual addictions shove certain emotions down. So we use porn uh, or sex, for example, to uh, push emotions down, to keep them down. We may know about those emotions and we suppress them through you know, porn or sex or something. Or we may not know that we've buried something at the level of repression and that's driving the compulsion towards porn or sex or something. So when you resolve the stuff on the unconscious level, the compulsion releases. Does that mean that you don't like um, women who uh, maybe have a breast, you know? I don't know. I'm gay. What do you expect from me? <laughs> what do you have with breasts, man? Tell me about this. Oh, my God, that, that brings up something. Like in, when I was a freshman in high school, my best friend said, God, I just love tits. Don't you just love tits? And that's the time when you're supposed to. And I'm like, yeah. But I have no idea what he's talking about. So whatever fantasy you have, or you've seen people have that there. And then, so if you understand this, then, What's really going on here is your whole life is wrapped up into your sexuality because in different ways, what happened to you has affected you. To heal that, you, you have to know that you've, you've buried some stuff. Stopping is just really suppressing more. So it's going to come out at times, and when it does, what you do with it is so important in my view. I don't even like the word come out, but you know what I mean by come out. It's like you stopped for a while or you tried to change a behavior or something and then you're back to it. It's like, but you're on autopilot in some way. But now you can process it. And I'm saying you can't just be mindful of what arises. That's a good start to notice thoughts that are arising for sure. Because it's great to do that. But to go deeper, when you learn our work, is to really process that and see that that's being driven by something that's not happening by itself. And it's being driven by that, by emotions that we've repressed. And it's actually being driven by the suppression of the desire, the shame around it, and all the stuff we put around it, the stories, like I shouldn't do that, something wrong with me whatever that is, all contribute to the compulsion. So when you go at this level and work and process skillfully, obviously the compulsion goes away, but you may still like tits, <laughs> you see, <laughs> right? Because for certain reasons, you just like tits. Okay, that could be connected to a trauma. Sorry, women, I'm sorry if that word is, but we got, come on, we're adults here, please. <laughs> we could say dicks too, or cocks, oh my God, here we go. Jesus, Scott Killer, the X-rated. Sorry. I'm just trying to, to break new ground here for myself. I have a, my own practice of, of being myself, and I'm also just also kind of uh, making this podcast feel comfortable for me. 
<laughs> and if I can't be myself, it's not comfortable for me. Which is what this is all about, actually. But no, yeah, Cox. God damn it. And whatever else. But anyway, you're still going to like what you like. <laughs> Unless it's connected to some other trauma. That it, It's all about the suffering, really. I mean, mostly, it's we're burying stuff and suppressing stuff. And then we're carrying over in time. We suffer. We endure life, you know, like Eckhart talks about. Life is just so, it's one damn thing after another. That's suffering. But freedom is light. It's here. It's awake. It's alive. There's aliveness. We don't have to do anything. We may want to do something. We may process where that comes from. But the difference is that we're not just suffering anymore. And so the reason that we had to do all these things and hide these things and, and all this is because of all this trauma. And if you look in your life, it's the same in your relationships. It's like if you could really be yourself in your relationships, you wouldn't suffer. Just like you wouldn't in sex. It seems so difficult until you process. That's the missing key if you're listening and wondering how. And no, I can't just explain it here. It's an entire path. I mean, this is the unconscious. This isn't just... Let's get quiet and notice things. I mean, that's a beginning. It's, this is the space in which all the work is done, is the space of now. The space in which you're hearing this. The space in which the awareness to which you're feeling sensations right now. The awareness of the sound of my voice. The presence that registers everything else that you see colors, shapes, thoughts, just noticing and noticing that it all appears to you, the awareness, or just appears, you don't have to have words for it, and then it goes. There's our experience, so we either suppress, repress, or express in our relationship or in sex, and if you look in your relationship, you wouldn't know what you repress. It wouldn't arise. But it's creating and driving some of the things that do arise that you suppress in your relationship. Emotions, things, and that creates suffering. Because you can't be yourself. You may express some things, but if you're not clear around who and what you are, even the expression could create suffering. Maybe you get angry a lot. You don't know why. Maybe it's because you repress sadness, fear, vulnerable emotions at that level of repressed. See, it all matters because we're consciousness. And then if you, so there's your suffering in relationship. Whatever you hold back that's true for you, you're forced to identify with what's false and suppress things and from fear, be something that you're not, and suffer. For survival, stay safe, get love. You can't be your authentic self 
in relationship. That's the suffering. In life, if you really look, if you could feel and allow everything, and you couldn't, didn't have to worry about it, where everybody likes you or, or approves of you or is, whether people are thinking about you, and you could just be yourself and, and then be open to other people, therefore present to other people, because you're not really thinking about yourself, but you're not really repressing or suppressing anymore. You're just like, okay, this is all allowed. And then you're your authentic self. The presence is here. That's the basis of your experience. And then everything being allowed. And then even, I'll just tell you, it can go so deep that you don't even feel contraction. Because you've allowed even the buried stuff at the repression level. If you want to go that deep, there's your relationship. And then that's totally tied. If you get the freedom there, you probably have it in sex. If you have it in sex, you probably have it in relationship because they're tied. But in sex, if you just look, you there are probably things you buried. Certainly the bearing of emotions plays into the any issues that you may see. But that's buried and you need tools for that. Just like you do in your relationship. Because it's buried repression level. But then there's the things that do arise that might be true for you, authentic. Right? So you're already holding things back at the repression level, whatever that may be, emotions or other things contributing to all this. But then if things arise into awareness in some way or into your life, you may push them back down. or uh, They may be true for you, though. In, in the sense that oh, it just means they're arising for some reason, so that they're, they're there. Maybe you push them down. I can't be myself. I that no. That's that's not me. I can't do that. Or whatever you say. Suppression. And then maybe even with the expression of it, there's stuff with it. Like okay, I I did that, but I'm ashamed. And that's being driven by that repression, the shame level, the deep fear. See how it's all connected. And so to get clear would be, okay, I did that. Yeah, I did that. That was fun. That was great. And see, when you can say, okay, that was fine. Yeah, that was good. That was good. You're not really tied to it. You're not attached to that. It's the, the, the repression isn't driving it in the same way. So you may do it, but it, the energetically you're not as connected to it like you were. That's the difference. But you may not do it. And there may be periods of time, you long periods of time, you don't do stuff that you used to do, and you don't miss it because it's you've already no, that's you don't miss that. If it comes up again, see, you just live in the moment. You're now just present, and so, but everything that arises or doesn't is relevant because we're consciousness, unless you want to live an unconscious life where you don't know that you do, or you don't know how that ties into this. I hope that maybe you already did know how it's tied into that and you or you see some things tonight. Thank you for listening. To get started on this path, if you haven't started yet, go to killoby.com, K-I-L-O-B-Y.com, scroll to the bottom of the page. And I'll guide you through a repression test to see if you, one, have emotional repression. So if you're suffering, you do. Two, what is the repression? What did you bury? And three, how does that produce suffering in your life?
Thank you.